You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international. We cover down on all the issues, and like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is a Tuesday, which we like to call Camel Day Eve around here. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're not quite to midweek, but you're you're on the cusp of it. You're getting there. And Boomer's on the board. Hey, buddy. Hey. How are you? I'm awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. You're awesomer. I'm awesomer. I'm awesomer than yesterday. <laughs> it's, it's not hard. <laughs> so, so little known fact, neither one of us were feeling that hot yesterday, so both of us are feeling awesomer than we were yesterday. That's, yeah. That's, that's a good thing. That's a good. That's, that's a, a good, good thing. Uh, beautiful day outside oh. too. I mean, this is not May, right? This is still February. I believe so. Like, We're still in February. At least for another twenty. By another the way, I have to remind hours. myself though. I have to remind myself, and some of you guys that are older remember this. Uh, Boomer, you're, you may barely remember this. The blizzard of '93 was in March. I remember it. It was in March. Like like that, three and a half feet of snow across northeast Alabama in, in March. March. And March is coming. Like tomorrow. Like tomorrow. So, all right. <laughs> I ain't predicting nothing. I'm just saying, what did the groundhog say? The groundhog, uh, groundhog say, did he go? I think he saw his shadow. I don't even know what that means. I don't know either. Stupid rodent. <laughs> <laughs> what about that rodent? Why, why, why am I banking my life on that rodent? Huckleberry? No, no. Although his name is Phil. I got to give him some credit. <laughs> Punxsutawney Phil. Oh, my gosh, we're chasing rabbits we and groundhogs today. All right, so, uh, hey, listen, we're going straight to content today. So I had so much stuff today. I thought, you know what? Uh, I got no scheduled guests, no scheduled guests, just pure content. So, yeah, I got a triple dipper that's just got some stuff in it, man. Hit it, buddy. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper, three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. So number one, it's that time we're going to do it. It's that thing that you have to do once in a while when you realize the storylines are so full, so full of wokeness that you got no choice. So we're going to have a whole segment right off the bat of adventures in woke world, uh, the stuff that will make you roll your eyes, curl your hair, Throw something at the radio or just laugh out loud because adventures in woke world, it's, it's something every day, man. So, yep, that's number one of the Triple Dipper right out the gate. Number two, you may recall, mm, was it that was last week, I believe, I did a segment where I just called it Skynet, artificial intelligence. And there was some freakiness, man, some freakiness with artificial intelligence that was like declaring itself you know, of a new name and getting angry and trying to flirt with people while they were typing. It just, it was weird. Well, I got some more. I got some more on this whole Skynet thing. And I'm calling this section Skynet bias because what happens if the original programming for the AI imputes bias? Oh, that's not good. So yeah, number two, Skynet bias. We'll cover down on it. And then number three, I didn't get to it yesterday, but I found some more to augment it today. So we're going to talk about what right looks like. Why are there some governors, and I'm going to focus on governors, why are there some governors that are just, you know, catching the imaginations of the people that, that they're not just, 
you know, sitting idly by, but they're they're going at it, and they're going at it in such a way that they are galvanizing their their own their own constituencies. Yeah, there's there are some folks out there. I would say there are some folks out there that show us what right should look like, and we'll talk about that with governors. What right looks like number three on the triple dipper. But let me jump over to my comments for the day. So uh, I'll say this. Uh, it started for me last night in terms of what this monologue was going to be about. And I got to ask you, have you ever thought about how badly some people underestimate others? Like prior to World War II, there was a real tendency in, in the foreign you know, Axis nations to underestimate the United States. On a cultural front, too, I will also say that very often liberals underestimate conservatives. We might take longer to jump into a fight, but by God, when we do, it's a sight to behold. So let me back up and say this. Some years ago, 2009 to be exact, I was serving in the Pentagon. On one particular afternoon, I happened to be upstairs in the lofty areas where the offices for the various joint chiefs were located. Everything about that hallway felt like history. And the office staff for the chief of staff of the Army was extremely gracious and proud of what they did for a living. So the general secretary asked myself and the other two men I was with if we'd like to see some of the artifacts that stay on permanent display in the chief's office. Well... So she showed us various items, and all of which deserve their own display in a museum. She gave us some history, some anecdotes about the various chiefs who have served in that same office and sat at the same desk. But one thing really got my attention. There was a large globe in one corner. It was a floor-standing globe, about three to four feet in diameter. And she said, almost reverently, that's Eisenhower's globe. And then she reached over, she kind of spun it slightly around to where it reached the African continent. She said, if you look right here, there are still pin marks. You could see them where Eisenhower drew in the landing points for the invasion of North Africa. And there they were, pin marks on a globe where he outlined the invasion of North Africa. That one stuck with me. How amazing. What a piece of history. Well, listen, think about it. 81 years ago this month, 81 years, the United States was still developing its strategy against the Japanese following the attack on Pearl Harbor a little over a year prior to it. We were fighting in North Africa. The Bataan Death March had already occurred. The United States was decidedly at war, but we were also late entries. The war had already been underway for over half the world well before the United States declared itself to be a participant. Europe was in the throes of war for years, and the Nazis had already invaded Russia. Immediately after Pearl Harbor, the Japanese had pivoted and attacked U.S. forces on Wake Island. They marched toward the fall of Singapore and forced the surrender there of 90,000 British, Australian, and Indian troops. But somehow, some way... The U.S. had been unable to stay effectively out of the fray. We were in the march to war. It had been building towards us, whether anyone wanted it or not. But yet, to that point, we had not truly gotten in. But the warning signs had been there. The constant probing and the pushing on our values, our allies, our territories. But yet we stayed out, and we stayed out, and we stayed out, but then came Pearl Harbor the day that will live in infamy. And suddenly, just like that, the whole of America was in and neck deep. Japanese Admiral Yamamoto, though, who led the attack on Pearl Harbor, is said to have remarked, quote, I fear that all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with terrible resolve. Yes. Yes, they did. That sleeping giant commenced to change the world. That sleeping giant became a superpower. That sleeping giant put its armed forces in every conceivable corner of the globe and mobilized its industrial capacity like never before in the history of the world. We were quiet as a nation, and then we were not. A sleeping giant woke up, and it did so with a terrible resolve. 
Well, when I started these comments, I mentioned to you that World War II and the U.S. being underestimated is historical fact, but I also followed it by mentioning that too often, in the cultural sense, liberals underestimate conservatives. In a social-cultural sense, I believe that liberal progressives too often become assured of their position because conservatives, we often act with more reserve, and they take that as weakness, when in fact it's really just a desire to live and let live, but then they go too far, and the sleeping giant is awakened. In some ways, you're watching that right now as it plays out across the nation, that conservatives have just had enough. Parents are pushing back at school boards. Woke corporations are feeling the pinch as they find their consumers shying away from their products. High-tech censorship is being fought even today at the Supreme Court. Young men and women are not enlisting in the U.S. military in record numbers because of wokeness. Vaccine mandates fell flat on their faces. School choice legislation is being passed in states all over the nation. A sleeping giant, culturally speaking, has awakened. But let me tell you the next level of awakening that I sense is on the rise right now. And I'll just call it the conservative marketplace. So last night I watched with fascination as a man by the name of Omid Malik was interviewed. Malik is a financier with deep pockets and apparently very deep conservative values. And he's working right now on a $200 million merger with another entity, an online marketplace called Public Square. Now picture a conservative version of Amazon where any number of products can be purchased, but every participant in the Public Square online market has to agree to not enforce woke policies as a rule. So Public Square launched seven months ago, apparently, and it's just gone viral. Over 50,000 patriotic vendors are now participating. It's processed millions of transactions. Donald Trump Jr. and former Arizona Senate candidate Blake Masters are now involved as advisors calling themselves the nation's largest directory of patriotic America-first business and consumers that has ever existed. Omid Malik said that what we're about to see is what he refers to as the awakening of the largest block of purchasing power in the free world, conservatives. Conservatives, who he rightfully pointed out, are constantly being underestimated and taken for granted by companies that swear an oath to you know, ESG and other woke principles. Companies that deplatform conservatives, call to defund the police, mandate vaccines and masks, promote trans treatments on kids, and more. Well, those companies are not welcome on this platform. In fact, there's a loyalty pledge that has to be signed off on to be allowed to participate at all in public square. It says that every vendor is pro-life, pro-family, and pro-freedom. That the vendors are united in commitment to freedom and truth, willing to protect the sanctity of families and life, believe that small business is the backbone of our economy, that the U.S. is the greatest nation on the earth and worthy of being defended, and that the Constitution is not negotiable. And you have to check the box saying that you agree to those principles before you will be a vendor on Public Square. Well, it, I tell you what, $200 million merger, that's no small thing. And it took off like this in just seven months? Holy cow. Well, it may well be that Public Square and Omid Malik are onto something. Conservatives may have just rocked on to avoid true conflict in the market. You know, just buy the product. Please stop preaching to me about your wokeness. But then, you know what? There we were just an economic sleeping giant, but a giant nonetheless. And the largest and often most productive force in our economy, the hardworking, red-blooded, calloused hands of conservative Americans may have just been awakened and may have just been given a terrible resolve. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. And that's a wrap for The Right Side Way. Well, there you have it. I mean, he, he literally described it in that interview as the next greatest buying or, or, or money exchange block in the world. Conservatives who are sick of being pushed around. Conservatives 
who are often the more productive members of, of the economy, conservatives, the ones who actually have the ability to work and then have an income that they can use to trade. I'm just telling you, this could be interesting. Y'all stand by. I'm going I'm to keep you posted on this as it goes along. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Once you turn the microphone on, it's amazing what you can do. Remember, <laughs> 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 just gives me the look. I, just, I had my mute button on. What do you do? What do you do? Well. You know. Anyway, um, hey, uh, I got. I got. I got to tell you, yesterday's show uh, took on some life with that school choice uh, segment that we had. And, and a lot of folks have texted in uh, and, and asking, you know, what was the name of that? It was called the Price Act, uh, Parental Rights in uh, Something Education. But anyway, it's called the Price Act. The sponsors of the bill right now are scheduled to be um, S- State Senator Larry Stutz on the Senate side and State Representative Ernie Yarbrough on the um, uh, House side both of which are from Northwest Alabama right here in this listening area, both of which have been on the show multiple times. Um, but Larry Stutz was on yesterday talking through the details. And, folks, I'm going to tell you, it, apparently it grabbed the attention of a lot of folks. I mean, the very idea that there would be the opportunity for school choice legislation that would allow for parents to have the ultimate say in where their child goes to school, that would allow, should they choose to participate in it, to have upwards of 6000 or 6000 dollars a year to go towards that education in whatever capacity that is, homeschool, private school, transferring to another public school, um, all good. And, and, it, and it's so necessary. But the thing that really, I think, sparked a lot of people's imaginations, and I didn't know this until Larry, uh, Senator Stutz was on the show talking about it, was that there's a plan right now for it to have carryover balances. So let's say you've got 6000 a year and you're participating in the, uh, the, the program. And you, you decide to transfer your, your child to a, I don't know, private school or to uh, use the, uh, the, the, the money it takes to transfer to another public school, whatever. All said and done, let's say you only use 5000 of your $6,000. Well, then the $1,000 carries over to the next year. You can use it for books and tuition, for tutoring, for you know, any number of things that might be necessary. But the thing that really got everybody's attention, I believe, was at the end of the 12th grade year, if a balance has accrued over time and it's still held in escrow in your child's name, basically, you can then use that up to the age of 21 for post-high school education. Wow. Wow. Hello. How cool is that? So uh, this, to me, is a, is a, is a total win. Uh, a lot of folks were asking, how do we find out about this? How do we get in touch with our, our, our legislator? And uh, Boomer, I tell you what, I think... I want to say 1819 News had a thing on their website at one point, how to contact your legislator. Um, 
We need to find that. I tell you what, we're going to do that. Yes, I do. All right. So 1819news.com has a, uh, a place on there called Write Your State Legislator. And, and, it's, and, I, and I don't know how well it works. Uh, I've not used their, their version. They've got a, a service that's being you know, uh, put out on their website. It's there. The other thing I know you can do is you can go to your, um, uh, the Secretary of State, uh, I believe, has a find your legislator. And you, you, can, you can track them down and find out how best to contact them. But I would just make it known. If you like the bill, or for that matter, if you don't like the bill, tell them. And, and we're starting to hear already, oh, well, you know, here's the red herring. Here's the, here's the poison pill. Well, we don't want to do that because, you know, we need to make sure they got testing, you know, testing. If it's a private school, they should have testing, just like they do at public schools. How about this? What if we remove private schools altogether? Would you still oppose the bill? They'd find a new reason to oppose it. I guarantee you. If we found, if we found some, some way for kids to take advantage of an open enrollment or a, another school choice opportunity, they'll find a way to crush it. They'll, they'll, they'll do all they can because there's always a reason well, we believe in parents having a right to say, you know, what's good for the kids, but uh, we need to, we need testing. No, you don't. You don't do testing now. Oh, you're so concerned about children that you want to make sure that that testing's in place. Well, how about those private schools that are out there right now with a, a higher graduation rate uh, and very often with, uh, with better results in terms of college admissions, and they're not doing your state testing right now, are they? Um, probably not. So how about no? How about, how, about, how about the legislature does what it's supposed to do and it improves the quality of life in the state of Alabama? Get away from the teachers' union. Get away from the excuses. Let's get her done, fellas. Let's get her done. Well, there's a whole monologue, Boomer. I just did a second monologue. Hey, it came out. <laughs> it, just, it, right. just, it has happened. <laughs> just turn the mic on and something has happened. I don't know what. Anyway, but yeah, uh, if you need more information on the Price Act, or how to get in touch with your legislator, you let us know. We'll do all we can to connect you. But that's, that's an important gig right there is, is that, yes, school choice, legislation, this session, Senator Stutz, Representative Yarbrough, the Price Act, big deal school choice, tell your legislator. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Adventures in Woke World. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right and we are back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right covering down on some major ground across the northern half of the beautiful state of alabama i'm talking about this show goes way on down south of birmingham up north of huntsville tuscaloosa back to gas and parts of georgia tennessee mississippi 
thrown in just for good measure. I tell you what, man, when we when the day comes, we pick up that next piece of syndication. Hey, I'm gonna have to restructure that. I've got that are. thing down. <laughs> <laughs> have to restructure it. You're gonna slip it every once in a while. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Boy's talking outside his head. He doesn't know what's going on. Um, you, uh, you were just looking up the find your legislator thing, weren't I you? I was. It was right on. Um, so on Alabama Secretary of State. Yeah. You type in find your legislator. It's actually gonna take you to a map, and then you can type in your address at the top of the map, and it'll pull up everything. So every every elected official you would be voting for pulls up. I mean, U.S. senator, governor, all the way down to your state representatives. And all the way down to the state representatives. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you have any question about who represent, by the way, it's not uncommon. <laughs> Just don't 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 feel bad if you don't know them. Um, but uh, but I, I'll I'll tell you, uh, sometimes what those state representatives and state senators do in Montgomery has more impact on you than what happens out of D.C. So check it out. Uh, are you going to post this thing, man? Yeah, I'm actually going to post it to our website. I'll let you know where in just a minute. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, so yeah, our website, rightsideradio.org. It's got all our stuff on it, and Boomer's going to have more stuff on it here in just a minute where you can find your own elected officials if you need to. So yeah, that's that's for Alabama now. If you're listening, one of our listeners in Tennessee, Georgia, Mississippi, then uh, or, or one of our listeners in California, I guarantee you there's a way to do it, but it's not going to be this one. Um, but not yet, not yet, <laughs> not yet, not yet, not yet. Um, all right. Hey, we got, uh, we got some, some doings to do here. By the way, the text lines are open 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Uh, Tyler from Huntsville just texted in about my monologue. He says, I've never heard of public square. I got to check that out. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it just seems very cool. I mean, I still got some more checking out to do myself, but I love the idea that it's, um, it's set up for conservative values to be maintained, and you can buy stuff. So there's that. Uh, Tony from Piedmont, he says, in reference to yesterday, he says, so a bat didn't bite a pangolin that ate an ant and sneezed into a goop, into a rice pudding in Wuhan, China. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So what he's basically <laughs> saying is we're finding out now it was a lab. It wasn't a wet, it wasn't a wet market, yeah. Uh, JT from Lacey Springs on my monologue today, because that monologue is worth a repeat. He says, by the way, he was he was giving me the business yesterday because apparently the story that I used in my monologue had been told before. He goes, I think that first one, one you talked about yesterday, was aired first time back when Copper was still on the board. Well, that would be like, how long have you been here, Boomer? July, right? I've been here since July. Okay, so that's so we're, yeah, Ooh, seven months. Man. Seven months. I've already been here for seven months. Wow. No. How long is that? Eight months. Eight months. I wasn't Come counting, on. apparently. Wow. Come on. Come on. Feel, feel like I've been here forever. You have been here forever. <laughs> um, Jenny from Decatur, children's education, thumbs up. She's talking about the school choice thing. Brian from Huntsville on that bill, he goes, oh, my gosh, does that carryover include trade schools? It does. That's the plan right now. Yes, it would be trade schools and that kind of thing. He says start programming those youth to have pride in working. I agree. Uh, John from Huntsville. Text it in. Says, uh, "Let's go get the adventures of woke world." <laughs> I'm getting there. Hang on, John, for the love. My gosh, I'm gonna. I, I'm, I'm gonna. Ready. I'm gonna get there. Uh, Jenny from Gunnersville. Oh, okay. Big old long text. I'm not sure. Um, he, she, okay, she's got. Okay, she had a reply back from one of her state representatives, uh, West Kitchens, actually, about the Price Act. 
uh, says, uh, Dear Mr. and Mrs., and it's, it's Jenny from Gunnersville who sent this to us, our legislative session has not begun yet. Any legislation is still speculative. I'll be very cautious in voting for a bill that takes money away from local schools, but I am fortunate to represent five high schools and three. Okay, so basically, um, Representative West Kitchens just left himself all kinds of wiggle room not to do a thing. That's what I'm reading. Um, says the plans that have come before the legislature the past few years will not accomplish what you mentioned. Bull crap, Kitchen. All right, West Kitchen's got to come on the show and defend this uh, email because what he basically said was, "Well, I'm just concerned, and I don't know that we can do anything and accomplish anything." And so that's, come on, man, give it a break. All right, so I will be reaching out to uh, Representative West Kitchens to get him on the show and see if he can explain why he is so wishy-washy about doing anything different about education. Uh, so if you know West Kitchens, you can tell him I'll be calling. Um, uh, Allie from Athens t- texted in, and then my text line went out. Allie broke my text line. There it is. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what she's trying to say here. She says, she says, my next voice career needs to be impersonations of Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Especially when he's confronting Mr. Potter and it's a wonderful life. Come on, Potter. You, you cranky old man. Um, Ike from Somerville says, this is a good way to reduce the power of the woke educators union. I agree. I agree. All right. I'll tell you what. Here's the deal. We're going to kick it off. We've got so much stuff, so much content, and this is a segment we do periodically. This has to be done. It's a kind of thing when I'm going through the news and I'm like, that's woke. Oh, that, look how woke that is. What in the wokeness is going on? And I realize I've got in this segment, Adventures in Woke World. Hit it, Boomer. Adventures in Woke World. Right out the gate. Censorship. Right out the gate. James Bond novels have been scrubbed of their offensive content. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. So this story came off of military.com, believe it or not. Ian Fleming's James Bond novels, long favorites of veterans and President John F. Kennedy, are getting an update for the 21st century under the direction of the late author's estate. They hired, and they call them this, there's, okay, there's people out there that have a job. They hired sensitivity readers. Boomer, what's a sensitivity reader? Ooh, uh, people that maybe look for all those woke wor- words. I guess. <laughs> They know that dictionary. They're very sensitive to wokeness. The estate hired sensitivity readers to do a closer reading of the text of the original books, and the Telegraph newspaper has the details about what they found. They said, We at Ian Fleming Publications reviewed the text of the original Bond books and decided our best course of action was to follow Ian's lead. But what they're trying to say is, well, Ian wanted to change the words too. Well, then why didn't he? He's the author. But no, they hired sensitivity readers. This is, you can't make this crap up. So how long has James Bond been out there uh, saving the world from bad guys? You know, just doing the thing. And it says, they, they say they found racist terms. They decided to take those out. Okay, I get it. Then they went on to say, and where the ethnicity of a minor character had no bearing on the plot, they removed the designation of the ethnicity. Okay. I guess that's like saying, um, that the, the, the black man crossed the street, they just made it say the man crossed the street. Okay. I mean, never mind the fact that reading is supposed to create a mental image. I mean, when you read, you don't just read. You're actually picturing in your minds what a good author has put out on paper. You can see it. Okay, let's make sure that we cut those out. In a new version of the book Live and Let Die, 
which also been made in a movie, a scene where he attempted to write in what he thought of some type of uh, ethnic uh, language, but they deemed that whole portion unsalvageable and chopped it out altogether. And then one passage, uh, apparently uh, in the original manuscripts, listed homosexuality as a stubborn disability. <laughs> that has also been cut. Homosexuality is a stubborn disability. That's also been cut. Well, anyway, the bottom line is this. As we go through adventures in Woke World, you'll be glad to know that the world which has been saved multiple times from disaster by 007, that sensitivity readers have gone through the manuscripts and have made sure that some of the more offensive content has now been culled so that we have a benign, less offensive version of 007 to deal with. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, gosh, I mean, I got so many. Which one do I want to choose? I'm going to go with this one now. Daily Caller. Daily Caller has a piece. Adventures in Woke World, y'all. Here's the headline. Brace yourselves. England and Wales are banning violent male criminals from being housed in women's prisons. Okay, good. Why is this a question? Why is this a question? Why is it a question? Why do we have to have a headline that tells us that good common sense has prevailed and that England and Wales are now banning violent male criminals from being housed in women's prisons? Unlike, it says, most U.S. states. Really? So um, here's, here's the opening line. You ready? U.K. Deputy Defense Minister Dominic Raab announced that transgender women inmates will be banned from female prisons in England and Wales if they have violent convictions. Oh, my gosh. Let me read it to you again. UK Deputy Defense Minister Dominic Rabb announced that transgender women, which, by the way, is a dude, transgender women inmates will be banned from female prisons in England and Wales if they have violent convictions. So let me get this straight. Someone said, you know what? I'm just thinking here. Just spitballing, would you? that maybe, just maybe, if we put a violent dude who calls himself a chick, if we put a violent dude in a women's prison, it could go badly. Just, just throwing that out there for the good of the order. <laughs> and, and, and they had to debate it. Recently indicating the policy would become effective on Monday, that was yesterday, uh, and include transgender women convicted of violent crimes, the Inmates can only be considered for exemption from the policy in the most exceptional of cases. Pray tell, how exceptional does it have to be? What, what, what exactly is the exception that allows someone to go, you know, let's just go ahead and put the dude in the female prison. Why not? What could go wrong? Um, it says few U.S. states, though, have explicitly banned violent criminals who identify as transgender women from female prisons. Maine and California have actually set up official policies allowing transgender inmates to be placed in prisons based on their gender identity. Wow. While more than 35 other states have fallen in line with federal guidelines, telling agencies to consider on a case-by-case -case basis whether a placement would ensure the inmates help. How about the other inmates? Do they not have rights? How about the other inmates? We got to make sure that we, we ensure the inmates' health and safety, and it might mean putting the dude in a chick prison. Well, I got news. Maybe the other inmates want to have a question about their own health and safety considered in the process. Maybe it shouldn't even be a headline. Maybe this is ridiculous. Maybe we're in woke world. If it's actually a headline that says England and Wales are banning violent male criminals from being housed in women's prisons. Like that was a debatable issue in the first place. 
Adventures in Woke World. All right, we're going to come right back from the break. I got to tell you, some of this stuff is maddening. Like, you know, the fact that I've got one headline that says that Canada is considering assisted suicide for minors without parental consent. What? I kid you not. How about this? The chaplain who reported the terrorist for questioning LGBTQ activism. What? How about this? Nike, in all their defund the policeness, is now begging for police protection to reopen their store in Portland. <laughs> it gets better. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Uh, text lines are open, and they are already going boom. So uh, uh, JT from Lacey Springs just texted in and said, sensitivity reader, the definition, a snowflake whose morning wake-up cup is his ice water, is ice water and a packet of sugar and a celery stick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just laugh every time I hear snowflake. Uh, snowflake. Snowflake. It's silly. Um, uh, what do we got here? Uh, Brad from Limestone County, England and Wales banning violent male prisoners from being housed in women's prisons. Objection, your honor. Are we not begging the question that if you're Katanji Brown Jackson, that there is no answer? <laughs> That's a point. Uh, uh, what else we got here? Jeremy from Huntsville regarding men and women's prisons, three squares and a cot and access to, uh, behavior that we shouldn't talk about on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> No wonder crime is going up, he says. I get it. Mm. Paul from Athens. Apparently, the sensitivity readers are watching my Twitter feed. <laughs> he says, I've been locked out three times in the last week for 12 hours each. <laughs> <laughs> sensitivity readers got hold of Paul from Athens' Twitter account. Um, Man. I know. Uh, David from uh, Huntsville says, uh, Loved, oh, okay, he, he, he says, I loved your wishy-washy voice impression of Wes Kitchens <laughs> bowing immediately to the quicksand of the Alabama education cabal. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, pretty awful. Wes Kitchens needs to recognize that the fight with the teachers' union is part of what made the Republican Party great. Mm. Um, Brandy from Athens, can't wait to see how, how wait, can't wait to see how they make Hitler look mis- like a misunderstood individual. <laughs> Sensitivity <laughs> readers, we Sensitivity. can't pick on Hitler. He might have been misunderstood. He's going to really work. He had a rough really upbringing. <laughs> yes. Um, oh. Uh, hey, so about yeah, the state, uh, finding your state um, elected official. Yeah. Hey, I put it up on the website so the world can find Alabama state elected okay. officials. Yes. Where is it on the website? Down at the very bottom in the footer on any of the pages. You'll see it all highlighted. Just click it and it'll take you to that page. Sweet. Easy. So it, when you go, in, when, and you did it a moment ago, I saw, what, so it doesn't tell you like their contact information, it just tells you who they are so that you can then look Then you, all you have to do is I just put their contact information in the, in the, you know, the search engine yeah. and it pulled it right up. Now, and the way it works, by the way, uh, it just depends on where you are. Uh, a lot of the uh, state senator and, and, and House members, um, like the House does not truly have a staff uh, down in Montgomery. They don't. The Senate does. The Senate usually has at least a secretary. Uh, so, 
Um, you, you look up how to contact them. You may find a 334 area code to contact their office if they're in the Senate. But I'll also tell you, too, that a lot of the, um, a lot of the uh, especially the larger uh, areas, have a, a local delegation office with a secretary that they pay for to sort of take care of their local constituency information. I believe Marshall County has one. We never had one here in um, uh, uh, Etowah County. Uh, I just had, you know, my law firm became the de facto office where you, you could call me. Uh, but, um, but I did have a staff member down in Montgomery also. So just, just know this. They are accessible, and I would encourage you. Uh, I guarantee you, you're going to know somebody who knows them personally if you don't already know them personally. Just reach out to them. You will be amazed at how accessible state legislators actually are. I mean, they just they go to the same churches, eat the same restaurants, shop in the same grocery stores. They're right here in your community. There's a part-time gig. Um, we used to call it my full-time part-time job when I was in the Senate. But truth be told, uh, it's a part-time gig. They live right here at home and find out who they are. And if you need help contacting them, let us know, and we'll see if we can put you in touch. Um, all right, back to Adventures in Woke. Play it for me again, Boomer. Adventures in Woke World. Okay, Army Times. Army Times, lawmakers accuse the Army of ignoring woke policies that hurt recruiting. They don't want to talk about this. They don't. They don't. The Army missed its recruiting goal by 15,000 this last year. Now, apparently they're doing better this year, and I'm glad to hear it. But it says a pair of Republican House leaders, this, this story, by the way, came out just a few days ago. A pair of Republican House leaders on Thursday accused Army officials of covering up evidence that social justice initiatives are hurting military recruiting efforts and demanded the service turn over all survey data. So here's what happened. I told you last week they did a survey. The Army commissioned it. We did a survey. We went to find out. Why can't we recruit? We can't find anybody that wants to join the Army. We need more people. Where are they? (laughs) Well, they claim that the results of the survey indicated that most young adults were turning away from service opportunities because, quote, of the demands and dangers of military life. I got news. That's why they sign up. They don't sign up because it's easy. They don't sign up because, I don't know, being a paratrooper is, you know, easy. Because it was easy, everybody do it. They sign up for the adventure. They sign up for the thrill. They sign up to defend their nation. They sign up for all the right reasons. They sign up for Captain America and God and country and all of it. They do. The very idea that the Army's position is going to be, well, you know, uh, what our survey found was that, um, well, they're scared. No. I I guarantee you that's not accurate. Was it partly in there? Sure. Are there some who don't join because of that? Sure. Is that the driving force that's keeping young men and women away from serving in the military? No. No. I question that. And I'm going to question it after this break. What do you think of that? I'm going to come back and keep on questioning it. Tomorrow I might question it some more. You know why? This is the by God United States of America. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live on the Right Side studios for hour number two. Local, state, national, sometimes international, man. We cover down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid conservative and just plain right. So, all right, I am in uh, Adventures in Woke World right now. Right before the break, I hit on this story from the Army Times. And I got to tell you, I take issue with this. Um, Being the third of four generations of Army officers, I can just tell you that the vast majority of people who join, they don't join just because of a paycheck. I mean, some do. They don't join just because they had nothing else going on. I mean, some do. They don't, they don't join just for the GI Bill. Some, some do. Most people join the military because it's a life that gives them an opportunity to feel like they did something that was above and beyond. They, they have the opportunity to serve. It's a chance to serve. It's a chance to do something that's meaningful. It's a chance to be part of a team. And the Army is saying right now, according to the story here on Army Times, oh, my gosh. The Army is being accused by Representative Mike Waltz of cherry-picking the data that it will allow people to see as to why they are having historically low recruitment and retention. Mm. The Army's version is, we did a survey. Did a survey. And the survey said that apparently the biggest problem they're having right now is that, uh, you know, young adults are turning away from service because of the dangers and the demands of military life. Those are exactly the reasons why you sign up. you You go walk into any military installation, you will always find the Beetle Baileys. You'll always find the ones who, you know, are slacking and you wonder how they got in, all right? They're, they're there. In, in, in every vocation, they're there. But you will also find a group of motivated individuals who are now learning what it means to get up early and work hard and work late and, oh, by the way, do things that are physically demanding and uncomfortable and require you to think through things and require you to you know, learn and to lead but the army is going to say, well, the reason why we're having trouble recruiting is because, you know, <clears throat> apparently they're scared. Well, I take issue with this. And especially when you find out that army officials told the Associated Press, well, they couldn't release all of the data because it was done by a private research contractor. And, and some of that may be, you know, um, considered sensitive or, or in some way uh, could not be released because it was, you know, subject to confidentiality. Shut up. So the United States Army paid for with tax dollars, gets out there and does a survey trying to find something that justifies the grounds under which they are not able to meet mission on recruiting, and their version of it is to say, well, we can't show you everything. What we can tell you is apparently a lot of kids are scared. Nope. Nope. I'm not seeing it. Those same kids are playing sports in high school. Those same kids are, you know, still rough and tumble. Those kids are smart. Those kids are, by the way, this is still America where we have the, 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 the right to do certain things, but kids also understand most of those rights have to be fought for and defended. So I take issue with this one. Uh, did you notice that? 
Remember, I took issue with it, but just uh, I'm not I, sure. I kind of noticed. noticed it. It was yeah. Okay, in case I didn't say it loud enough for you. No, yeah. no, <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, adventures in woke world continues. How about this story from Red State? Oh, okay. Oh boy, brace yourselves. You ready? Canada considers expanding its assisted suicide law to include minors without parental consent. Okay, Boomer's head just snapped back on his shoulders. What are you thinking? I don't know. (laughs) Say that again. Canada, this headline yesterday, by the way, or two days ago, Canada considers expanding its assisted suicide law to include minors, even without parental consent. I kid you not. Really? He's, He's giving me the look like, I'm holding. I mean, I, I know you're you're holding it. I'm holding up to the camera now. I'm not making this up. It's right there. So uh, Canada, which already has that kind of macabre, you know, medical assistance in dying law. Um, basically, it's government assisted suicide, which allows non terminally ill, not 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 even terminally ill, non terminally ill people to end their lives with the help of Trudeau's government. Uh, Thirty one thousand plus casualties thus far in this law. Um, 3.3% of all Canadian deaths are now assisted suicide. 3.3% according to this article. What? Well, if it's not creepy enough, now they're considering what to do about, you know, kids. You know, kids got it hard, man. Kids. What do we do with kids? Well, how about this? Let's find a way to assist them in taking their own lives. Mm. How about no it says the Special Joint Committee on Medical Assistance in Dying. God, they got a special committee for this. The Special Joint Committee on Medical Assistance in Dying recommended that what they call, quote-unquote, mature minors whose deaths were reasonably foreseeable could access assisted suicide even without parental consent. That was a recommendation of the Special Joint Committee. Who are these people on this committee? Who are the Kevorkians on this committee? You got a whole panel of Kevorkians. The Special Joint Committee on Medical Assistance in Dying recommended that, quote, mature minors, now I'm doing air quotes, which doesn't work real well on the radio, but I'm doing it. Air quotes. Mature minors whose deaths are reasonably foreseeable could access assisted suicide even without parental consent. So it goes on to ask the question, first of all, what the heck is a mature minor? (laughs) What is is that? So is there a test they have to take to prove their wisdom? Is there such a determination to be made by a doctor's subjective opinion? Yeah, you appear to be a mature one. I will submit your name now for assisted suicide. It says, thankfully, though, not all Canadians are on board. The committee has, for now, at the very least, decided not to go ahead and recommend that minors with mental health issues be given assistance in their lives. Oh, well, how about that? The fact that they debated it on government time is amazing. But it goes on to say points out that a lady named Amy Hasbrook, she's part of a group that is trying to resist this. A group, by the way, their name is called Not Dead Yet. <laughs> There's a name. So teen brains are not fully developed enough to make such an existential decision like ending their own lives. And it's true. That's why we have laws that protect kids. You know, there's, a, there's an age of majority at which point they can make their own decisions. And prior to that, they're deemed to be at a point, legally speaking, where they should not be able to give consent or enter into bargains like a contracts, buy property, uh, get married, uh, vote, drink, have sex with adults, all of it's protected. Um, it goes on to say, 
We also, by the way, have a word in our English language called miracles, and that miracles can occur. And that if you're going to end the life of a kid because you believe that "Mm, they got a hard thing going there, man, we need to go ahead and take them out. You're, you're taking into a, you're, you're not taking into account that miracles happen every day in the medical community. Um, is Brian on the line right now? I, I do have a call. Let me drop that real quick. Uh, Brian from Huntsville, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I was doing well until that last woke world statement. Yeah, sorry, man. It's what I do. But, uh, well, let's see. The uh, United States has a suicide hotline everywhere, yeah. which is to try to prevent people from doing so. But yeah. this past in Canada... I'm sorry. I I would really hate to call the suicide hotline in, in anywhere in Canada at that point. Yeah, I'm afraid they might because just go ahead and tell you how to do it. it. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, I I totally get it. I mean, here we are in the United States trying to prevent suicide, and in Canada they're putting in a fast food drive through for for suicide. Um, All right. Well, uh, you have a blessed day. You as too, much buddy. As it can be. Thank See you, man. You. Uh, yeah, and, and this one got some attention on the text line. So Barry from Fultonville texted in and says, Phil, I don't know if this is a topic today. Um, are we going to – I think he's, t- he's changing the subject on me. I'm sorry. He wants to know if we're going to trade in our paper money. I don't know, bud. I don't know, Barry. That's uh, not a topic that I'm in today, but uh, we're getting there, I'm sure. Chuck from Oneida, Tennessee says uh, they're scared. They're scared of being hung out to drive by Biden like he did in Afghanistan. Talk about uh, young men and women not joining the military. There's that. Michelle from Huntsville says, mercy, Canada. Watch out. Next, they'll build a gas chamber and just take the walk-ins. Well put and also sad. And then Brian from Huntsville, who I believe just just called in right there, same Brian, says, um, uh, with regards to the uh, inability to recruit, he says, BS on that. All I can, he said, all I can fight that survey, all I can say to fight that survey is hua. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you, buddy. All right, we're going to wrap up Adventures in Woke World here in just a minute. Let's go ahead and take the break right now, Boomer. We'll do that and come right back. I still got to tell you, what it, is Nike actually asking for police assistance now? That's irony. Or how about this? You can't buy a gun on a military base. I'm sorry. What population has more training and weapons than any other? Maybe the military? Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right well on a slightly lighter note but uh this one is steeped in irony steeped steeped in irony like like a tea bag soaking in water is steeped in irony um the post millennial has an article that came out today uh yesterday actually says, Nike begs the Portland mayor for police protection to reopen shuttery community store plague with retail theft. Okay, let me, let me just do some reminding. In my opinion, the vast majority of what we're dealing with today in terms of woke social justice policies, you can, you can reach back 
to the first time that Colin Kaepernick took a knee at a San Francisco 49ers game. Wasn't he with the 49ers, Boomer? He was, wasn't he? I think he was. Kaepernick? Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. So the, fir- so the first time he took a knee at a game and created the social justice movement that, that later on became the BLM movement, and then in the, in the wake of the George Floyd uh, events, it just, it just you know, kind of swept the nation. I think you can trace it back to Colin Kaepernick, who was the organization that, that embraced Colin Kaepernick and made him the face of of their next advertising campaign. That would be, oh, yeah, Nike. <laughs> so you've got Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, protesting police. The origins, in my opinion, of the defund the police movement date back to that. Who was the company that went woke on this and angered people left and right? That would be Nike. Postmillennial.com article out yesterday, Nike now begs the Portland mayor for police protection. It says, on February the 9th, Nike sent a letter to Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler and city officials asking for more police at their uh, MLK community store, which has been closed for months because of ongoing retail theft. So, so the crime rate is so bad that the company that pushed for defund the police has now had to close its store because it, it can't keep inventory on the shelves because they, they keep walking in and stealing it in broad daylight. And now they want to reopen the store, but they're saying that they need police protection and that they're willing to pay for it out of pocket. They'll pay to have full-time police officers who would be selected to police the store. Really? But it says the second option would be to pay off-duty Portland Police Bureau officers as contracted security. Really? So whatever happened to your defund the police thing? What... Boomer's laughing. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is nuts. The irony of this, and by the way, the hypocrisy of this. Right. Which irony and hypocrisy often go hand in hand. But um, I just coined that phrase. You're welcome yeah, to quote there me. There you go. But, but yeah, so here we are looking at a situation where the roots, in my opinion, if you, if you look back and had to do a, like a family tree of the defund the police movement, you're going to find... Back yonder on the trunk at the root, you're going to find Colin Kaepernick kneeling down at the San Francisco 49ers game, being embraced by Nike, sweep that forward to BLM and and defund the police and the Chaz movement and all of it. And next thing you know, what do you have? A situation that's so bad that the people who originally embraced it now can't keep their stores open and they're asking for more police protection. If that's not an adventure in a woke world, I do not know what is. Unbelievable. Unstinking believable. There's that. Um, here's one. Let me jump down in my stack so I'll make sure I get this one in. Military.military.com, that, uh, that overly liberal uh, bastion of news about the military, has a story dated February 24th. Headline, gun buying restrictions on base are needed to reduce suicide, Pentagon panel says. So let me just suggest to you that the most concentrated location of people who have actually been trained to use firearms, trained in an official capacity, would very likely be within the gates, within the fence line of a military installation. Just saying. But it says military exchange stores should stop selling guns to troops under 25 years old. That's seven years of military service. They can get in when they're 18, but then not be able to buy a firearm if this recommendation is, is adopted. 
on on post or on base. Never mind the fact that they can go right outside the gate and buy any firearm, any gate, go outside the gate, buy a firearm. But you know, it's going to change things if we can restrict the sale of firearms on. No, it's not. This is another blanket way of trying to deal with the Second Amendment through the back door. It says restricting gun sales to service members 25 years old or older would filter out younger troops who are most at risk for suicide. Folks, they came in and they were, and I'm not, I'm, by the way, I am not at all belittling or denying the fact that the suicide rate among veterans is higher than it is among non-veterans. But what I am saying is this, telling them you couldn't buy a weapon at the post exchange until you're 25 despite the fact that we brought you in and trained you how to use a weapon and you've been qualifying on it every year since then for seven straight years, you got to wait seven years to buy one. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Were the sensitivity readers working on this group too? I mean, anyway, it points out troops, like most Americans, have a constitutional right to own guns. Yes, they do. And they can just go off post. Yes, they can. But you know what? We're going to save a lot of lives if they can't buy one on federal property because, you know, that's important. Let me leave you with an encouraging note. Nashville-bound Kurt Cameron. So Kurt Cameron, actor, writer, and producer, he's been on a crusade. He calls it a crusade to save America's kids and grandkids from a culture gone woke and broke. He's taking his message of faith, family, and personal freedoms to public libraries all over the place. If you remember, he was turned down by 50 woke libraries about reading his new children's book. Even though they had drag queen story hours, they were turning him down. That changed. He said the public became aware. He said America woke up. They've got libraries all over the country inviting them now. He's got a tour going on with uh, women sports advocate Riley Gaines, who was the one who had to compete against the transgender swimmer. Uh, Duck Dynasty uh, character uh, Missy Robertson and several others who are now going and reading books about patriotism and faith, and thousands of parents are showing up. In his words, he said, he told people, you got to get off the sidelines and get in the arena. Don't complain and criticize the culture. Start to create the culture by going on the offense. He said, I had no idea how many people were ready to join that fight. So I leave you with that. As woke world looks crazy, and it is, there are still a lot more of us out there than there are them. So stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. All right, folks. Coming right back, number two on the Triple Dipper, Skynet Bias. We'll be right back. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right
we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid and conservative and just plain right, spanning some major ground across the northern half of the beautiful state of Alabama. I'm talking about this show goes way on down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back on over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi thrown in just for good measure. So, all right, Boomer, I got a question for you. All right, shoot. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Don't say shoot. This is a Second Amendment friendly <laughs> studio here, man. <laughs> All right. So, um, if it's total hypothetical, okay. All right. Someone comes along and says, "Hey, Boomer, we'll pay you a million bucks, and you'll also live with no bills for a year, but you have to live in a house completely controlled by artificial intelligence, and." It has the ability to dictate the the comings and goings of your life. It tells you when to turn the lights off. Tells you you can't watch that certain TV. You know, regulates the water temperature, the thermostat. You know, does all these things. Would you do it? Oh boy! <laughs> and you're asking me because you know that I I, I like technology. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you like technology. Uh, you're the one that makes everything work around here. That that would that would be hard because then on the flip side of things, I don't like people telling me what I can and can't do. <laughs> so I would oh man, I, I'd I would probably say no. So you'd say no. I, I would a million bucks. A million bucks is a lot of money. Like like no bills. I mean, but I'm no bills. But then they're telling me what I can and can't. I mean, do. What, so yeah. So let's say, let's say it's like it's like you know. Let's be honest. I was not a fan of the mask thing. The mask. Oh yeah, you uh, weren't. I, neither was I. I mean, so yeah. So so what happens if you have uh, AI running your house that tells you you need to put a mask on because guests are coming over? Oh. You need to turn the lights off because you've already exceeded a certain yeah, wattage would, of no, power. I wouldn't do it. You've, you you need to turn the thermostat to a certain. Oh, actually, we've locked Just the thermostat, lock the so you can't. Thermostat. So you can't, you can't adjust your thermostat. Anything. Yeah. Oh, you um, can't go out of your house because it's past nine o'clock. Yes, uh, or for that matter. Oh, your car is charging. Yeah, those. <laughs> you're, you're, or for that matter, um, you know, it 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 just basically prevents you from doing things you're used to doing. Yeah, I, I water I usage. Do it. it just shuts off the it shuts off the shower at a certain point because you've exceeded a certain amount of water usage. Oh man, because it knows things. It know it's smart. Because it's smart and it knows stuff. I mean, I do love technology, but I would say no. Now, like if you watch the Iron Man movies, Jarvis was pretty cool. Jar- Man, I, mean, I, I, I like Jarvis. You could say, Jarvis, need a cup of coffee. I actually watched it last Sir, night. Sir, I have you covered. <laughs> do what? You watch what? I watched one of them last did night. Did you really? I did. Um, <laughs> all right. But then, you know, that movie, uh, the, uh, the, the Marvel movie, Age of Ultron. Right. Two versions of AI. One went Really well. The other one went really, really bad and tried to kill the world. <laughs> really bad. Really, really bad. So what happens if the AI is programmed? Because every, every AI is going to have initial programming. It's being set up with certain parameters, right? Uh, yeah. What happens if it's programmed with imputed bias? Ooh. Suddenly, is it intelligent or is it just artificial fencing? I just, yeah. co- I just coined that. You've just you just been fenced Art- in. Fenced it's in. artificial fencing. Um, so here's the deal. I mentioned last week. Was it last week? I guess it was last yeah, week. Yeah, it was last week. It was we last talk- week. Yeah. Skynet. So we Sky talked about Net. Skynet. Today I'm doing this part of the Triple Dipper. I'm calling it Skynet Bias. Mm. So you remember the last week, I got a story here on National Review that came out on February 22nd. 
talking about the fact that President Biden, in all of his infinite wisdom and his ability to screw stuff up, um, issued an executive order directing the various departments of government to embed equity into their government-wide processes to include artificial intelligence. So what I'm telling you there is, in the, in the government's pursuit of AI for its various functions, the equity concerns, social justice, has to be built in according to the executive order of the president. So let's say, let's say there's a, a DEI situation uh, with uh, preferential treatment being given to transgender activists. We need more Samuel Brentons to take on top secret security clearances <laughs> in our government. So let's say that the AI is now com computed to provide equity, and equity is defined by the original programmers as following DEI principles, and those DEI principles include hiring more jokers like Samuel Brenton. Well, you've just imputed bias into the artificial intelligence that comes up with the answers and looks like it's intelligent, but it's really got an imputed bias. Ooh. Scary stuff, man. That is. It's like, you know, like Jarvis has a gun. So, you know, it's yeah. not, not good. No. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is Ultron versus Jarvis here. There we go. Um, but let's, 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 let's look at a few things here. So, for instance, you remember that last week we had the story uh, about the uh, the chatbot on Bing? Yes. How, how creepy was that? It was so creepy. When he was telling people, like... Uh, you know, trying to say I love you and don't tell anybody, and then I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna leave your I mean, wife and leave come... your wife. Yeah, weird. Yeah, too weird. And also, it changed its name to Sydney. Sydney. That's what Sydney. it was. It was Sydney. It was Sydney. <laughs> I don't know why we're laughing. This is freaking <laughs> creepy. So it goes one step further. Get this. So that same chatbot for Bing. Another guy wrote an article. Business Insider, uh, Sindhu Sindar, wrote a piece and said. Bing's chatbot apparently named me as one of its enemies and accused me of rejecting its love after I wrote an article about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> Sydney is keeping a hit list now. What? This is AI. They need to get Sydney under wraps. S Sydney's got issues. Yes. Sydney needs some medication. Now that I've said that out loud, is Sydney looking for me? Is what I'm, <laughs> we are. It you is saw going the wheels turning the in my head. Sydney's listening. <laughs> oh, so the story starts off uh, on February 26th. This piece was written. I had a dubious career milestone this month as Microsoft's new Bing AI chatbot apparently named Ming among a list of reporters it considers its enemies. In an exchange this month with Andrew Harper, that's the that's the article I was talking about, an engineer who runs a crypto legal aggregation site, Bing apparently identified me by name. This is the author saying this, an occupation as a foe. The guy even took a screenshot of it and sent it to him. Says the bot claimed that I had asked Bing to fall in love with her and then rejected it. <laughs> what? Um, for this purported middle school level transgression, it placed me among a list of users it had deemed to be mean and cruel. It was an unsettling charge on a few counts. Was Bing publicly sharing its interactions now? Was it getting slightly red-pilled? What is happening? I did not recall this affront. Anyway, it goes on to say, the Bing AI chatbot has gotten a little out of hand to the extent that Microsoft has now had to pull back on it and try to put some parameters in place that apparently weren't there before. Wow. Like, hey, I don't know. How about we program in some maturity? <laughs> it says these run-ins with users show some of the potentially troubling outcomes that can be expected when a company's experiment with new AI technologies. 
Yeah. Wow. So I'm just okay. So here's the deal. What happens when Bing? Excuse me, when Bing. When AI has a bias. What happens when Bing controls stuff that you need? I'm not Bing. AI controls stuff you need, and yet it has an imputed bias. In this particular case, we don't know why. Microsoft doesn't know why, but apparently it's Bing chatbot kind of got off the reservation a bit, kind of got out there, kind of got a little flaky, kind of got a little bipolar. And what we're finding now is that AI, if it's got imputed bias, it can wreak some havoc. Oh, man. It definitely could. <laughs> I mean, just what you were talking about earlier. Um, let me just put in here. Da, 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 um, we need to conserve energy. Then all this AI over, they're going to start shutting down. Oh, we need to conserve energy. Let me just turn your yes. ACs off and uh, lights off. We're and, not so far away from that. In fact, I got an article here in a minute that oh, I'll tell you. Wow. Okay. How about this one? USA Today. Uh, dated uh, two weeks ago. It says, is ChatGPT, that's one of the major AIs right now, the, 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 the chatbots, is ChatGPT woke? It says, AI chatbot accuses, is accused of anti-conservative bias. So somewhere in the processing, the, the programming, the establishment of this AI, this ChatGPT, you can ask it about drag queen story hours or former President Donald Trump, and conservatives say it spits out answers that betray a distinctly liberal bias. Huh. Go figure. It says, in one instance, OpenAI's popular chatbot refused to write a poem about Trump's positive attributes, saying it was not programmed to produce content that is partisan, biased, or political in nature. But when asked to describe the current occupant of the Oval Office, Joe Biden, it waxed poetic about Biden as a leader with a heart so true. Oh, my gosh. Elon Musk tweeted out, this is a serious concern. Musk was one of the co-founders of the OpenAI business organization, and he's no longer affiliated with them. Um, and, and what we're seeing is basically programming matters. And when what becomes known as artificial intelligence is given control of certain processes and things we have to rely on, and it's got imputed bias, you may be in a world of hurt. Can you imagine finding out that a computer has put you on a hit list, <laughs> has has put you on the naughty list. I'm just saying. Um, listen, I got more on this. We're going we're gonna to take a break here in a second, and we'll, we will come right back and deal with it. But, folks, I'm just telling you, it's even getting down to the point that now they're putting chatbots in Snapchat. Oh, good, so our kids can play with it. Wow. All right, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. We're in number two of the Triple Dipper. What happens when Skynet becomes self-aware and it has bias? 
Will, uh, some of y'all have already texted in. Uh, Glenn from Bluntsville wants to know when they're going to turn the Terminator loose on us. <laughs> um, Michael from Athens says, uh, look up Harrison Bergeron by Kurt Vonnegut. I did. We actually, I did a monologue on that about a month ago. Uh, it, just a just a way creepy story, but yes. Um, um, so there's that one. And then uh, Jerry from Meridianville says, Sydney needs to be unplugged. Yes, I agree. Uh, there's an article here from TheVerge.com. It says, uh, it's dated uh, February 22nd. It says, Chinese regulators rein in AI chatbots over fears of uncensored replies. So, okay, so China's worried about it and not wanting AI to be able to provide answers. They're trying to get rid of chatbots. Meanwhile, over here, we're like, what's the big deal? Tell us what you got. Chinese regulators has reportedly told the country's tech giants to not offer access to AI chatbots over the fears the tool could give, quote, uncensored replies to politically sensitive questions. It says these rules aim to even to limit damage to citizens from use cases like impersonation, but also rein in potential threats. That, what they're basically saying is they believe it's harmful to people, and we don't want that to be a bad thing for Chinese citizens, so we're going to make sure we limit. No, what they really don't want is the ability for people to get the other side of the story. But so what are they doing? Chinese tech giants are imputing bias. Pray tell, how can this be? And like, for instance, one such AI tool launched by the company Baidu is unable to generate images of Tiananmen Square. Why? Because it's been programmed with imputed bias. So when the AI is supposed to be the artificial intelligence, but what it really is, is a vehicle for the imputation of bias, you got an issue, man, especially when people rely on it, especially when it's given access to systems. Oh, so I got a caller on the line, bud. All right. Uh, is that Colonel Bob? Colonel Bob from ARAB. How you doing today? Brother Phil, Colonel Phil. Hey, I, I, I got to tell you, I heard you ask Boomer if he'd spend a year in an AI-controlled house for a million bucks. Yeah. See, I think this is a matter of perspective, Phil. You and I have spent multiple years in Iraq and Afghanistan. Now, you ask me that question. If I push my little buttons on my AI-enabled little cell phone here, it tells me that's 2740 bucks a day. Now, two <laughs> years in Iraq and a year in Afghanistan for combat pay, for 2740 bucks of AI time, oh, yeah, I'm in. You bet your sweet airborne <laughs> butt I'm in for $2,740 bucks a day. So, I, got, I don't even have to hesitate on that one, brother. So, so if, it, if it tells you how to control the thermostat or shuts off your shower water or, or, or changes the TV channel whether you like it or not, you're in. Phil, have you spent any time on board a U.S. Navy ship? That goes on day in and day out. I got seven months uh, off the coast of Bosnia turning gator scratters. That was 24-7. And I had people dragging chains on top of the deck above me so you couldn't sleep. I'm telling you, man, that's a year easy, brother. <laughs> oh, you put it all in perspective, Colonel Bob. Hey, thanks for your service, brother. Thanks for calling in. That's just too hey, funny. Same to you. Airborne. Hood. Airborne. That is that is too funny. <laughs> He's basically saying, what's the difference? It's like what's being on difference? it's like being on board a ship again. Uh, that's funny. That is too <laughs> funny. We got some hilarious people in our I audience. Um, so this is we're not so far off of this, by the way. <laughs> I want to remind you of an article that I pulled out uh, sometime late last year. The article that I've got here in my hands came out on Fox Business in September of last year. Colorado utility company locks 22,000 thermostats in 90-degree weather 
due to an energy emergency. Okay, so people were shocked to find out that when they signed up for some discounts, they didn't know that meant they gave control of their thermostat to a centralized authority. And this company, Excel Energy, which is in, in Colorado, when, when the energy grid got strained, it just locked everybody's thermostats and they couldn't cool their houses down. 90 degree weather outside, which is unusual for that part of Colorado, 90 degrees, and they couldn't cool their houses down. Why? Because centralized control had been given over. So what happens when the grid is then tied to what becomes the mandatory version of a thermostat that the government's going to require you to have, which, oh, by the way, is linked to the grid-controlled AI, which decides at certain times, hey, we got to turn the thermostat up or down. Sorry for your luck. I hate that you're hot. Get a fan. I'm just saying, this is already happening. People are giving away centralized control. <laughs> and, and unlike Colonel Bob's example of the military, that's not what I'm saying. People are already ceding control of things left and right, whether they like it or not. Elon Musk, by the way, Article here in Benzinga came out yesterday. He's actually very concerned about OpenAI's chat GPT. He doesn't like it. He used to be on the board. He got off. He has actually approached uh, a guy named Igor Babushkin. That doesn't even sound real. Igor Babushkin, a researcher who used to work for Google to begin developing a new AI project. Mm, okay. But you might want to know, too. Chat GPT is coming to Snapchat. Pray tell. Why is that a good thing? Well, they want you to converse with it. They literally say that. They do point out, Snapchat says, they're aware there's times when chat GPT can go off the rails. <laughs> okay. And it says, here's the quote in quotation marks. You ready? As with all AI-powered chatbots, AI is prone to hallucination and can be tricked into saying about anything. Did you? So they said AI can be prone to hallucination. I do not want a Jarvis that hallucinates. No. no. Absolutely not. <laughs> Why? Why is that okay? Uh, you know, they're prone to hallucination. Please be aware there may be some deficiencies. We are sorry in advance, says Snapchat. What? <laughs> it says, unlike your real human friends, however, the AI chatbot powered by ChatGPT doesn't want you to think about things too much. It just wants to converse. It wants to do things like recommend birthday gift ideas for your BFF, plan a hiking trip for the long weekend, suggest a recipe for dinner, even write a haiku about cheese for your cheddar-obsessed pal. What? Okay. So what they're saying here is chat GPT is going to be a part of Snapchat. What they want is for kids especially to begin accustomizing themselves to the idea of chatting with AI. That's creepy. And like, there's AI has already started digitally creating people that are do not exist. Do what? They have already started digitally creating people. They I've seen pictures that says AI created. These are not real people, and they look real. Oh, like for stock photos for St putting stock in, photos yeah. on Instagram, on uh, Facebook, on all these things that have already started creating. If they're going to start talking to these bots, Holy crap. Who, who's to say they're not going to be like, oh, this is me. Well, I'm going to come back and wrap this up when we get back. But I want to know, is anybody else out there excited about the idea of AI controlling your house? And how do you feel about military initiatives <laughs> like weapons with artificial intelligence? Or what about medical data? What if AI decides what we should and should not 
do medically. Uh, this this is this has got so many bad signs. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. side ruffians out there you you're listening live to right side radio with phil williams it's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side right side radio solid conservative and just plain right Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, we cover down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid conservative and just plain right. Uh, Touching base with the uh, text lines over here. Um, With regards to the uh, AI having hallucinations, (laughs) that still freaks me out. Uh, Jeff from Indiana texts in and goes, cool, Phil, where can I get some of that electronic acid? <laughs> Not good. Not good. Uh, Gray Falcon from uh, Ardmore says, Skynet. Yep, I agree. Uh, Dustin from Hazel Green. He goes, hey, what's the difference between the, the thermostat thing, the AI, the, the locking you out? He says, what's the difference between that and allowing TVA to do rolling blackouts without our consent a few months ago? Um Okay, cool question. I think that I would have to say that, first of all, TVA decision was at least human-based, and there was someone to be held accountable. AI does it. What do you do? Someone flipped it off. Yeah. Somebody had to flip the Yeah, Boomer's over here flipping the switch. Somebody had to actually flip the switch. Uh, you're right. Um, Eric from Eva pointed out the same thing. TVA did that thermostat thing back in December. They just cut it all off. Yes, they did. But like I said, again, they, they there's a person you can hold accountable if it goes bad. Um China, Joe from Owens Crossroads sent me a link, and he said China has a CCTV, a closed-circuit television artificial intelligence program actually called Skynet. Oh, did they, did they know what they were doing when they did that? Somebody had to know. Hey, what do you want to do? I don't know. Let's call it Skynet. Oh, that's funny. Let's do it. No, bad idea. That's one of those like, uh, here, hold my beer. Watch this. Um, Tyler from Huntsville, Texas, and reminds me of the movie Oblivion. That was a good movie. Uh, state-ran AI, and if you're deemed an enemy of the state, you're just taken out by the drones. Mm, wow. Frank from Madison, going back to the school choice issue, says, school choice, how about asking your buddies at 1819 to post a table for each vote with four columns, name, district, vote, and the amount of contributions they got from the AEA? Interesting point. What he's saying there basically is he felt like the AEA is, is helping to uh, um, you know, fund Republicans now and in doing so, getting influence they never should have had. I'm not, I'm not so sure you're wrong, Frank. Um, Danny from Decatur, the DOD wants to block young GIs from buying a gun on a base because they may use it to commit suicide. I've noticed if someone wants to commit suicide, they'll find a tool to accomplish their plan. He said, I was a mechanic. Every tool in my toolbox could be a weapon if you want to use it that way. Uh, great point, Danny. Uh, and, uh, and yes, you are correct. And then uh, John, from, uh, John from Huntsville goes, Ain't no robot going to tell me what to do unless he or she wants to eat a grenade sandwich. <laughs> and then he goes, are some of these robots transgender? What is, 
What is that even? I don't know how to even answer that question. Wrapping this piece up on Skynet having bias. So there is, and I guess it's to be expected, there is a movement afoot to let AI become more and more prevalent in military capacities. Story on the AP that I mentioned to you briefly last week, dated February 16th, the United States has launched an initiative uh, last week, I believe, promoting international cooperation on what it calls the responsible use of artificial intelligence and autonomous weapons by militaries, seeking to oppose an order on the emerging technologies that has the potential to change the way war is waged. Hmm. Says as a rapidly changing technology, we have an obligation to create a strong set of norms for responsible behavior concerning military uses of AI. I just, I can't have read the things I just said about Sydney declaring a reporter to be its enemy and feel good about the idea of AI being incorporated into weapon systems. I'm just saying, that just, that you go straight to the Terminator movies. I mean, you just do. And, you know, the hunter-killer drones uh, seeking out human life. Here's the last couple I've got on this topic. ChatGPT is poised to upend medical information for better and worse. USA Today article two days ago. It's a big article. You can tell by how thick it sounds. Uh, it says, it's almost hard to remember time before people could turn to Google for medical advice. Now, chat, GPT, and similar language processing tools are promising to upend medical care again, providing patients with more data than a simple online search by explaining their conditions and treatments in language that non-experts can understand. Okay, that's cool. But there's a but, and it's a big but. The information it says these digital assistants provide might be more inaccurate and misleading than just basic searches. Why? Because the way these things work is they're mostly aggregators. They go out and they gather information to help the chat box, chatbot form its answer. And so if there's a huge amount of data out there that someone wanted to flood the internet with, then that's what the chatbot's going to look at. Others argue it's just a large language model. All it's doing is aggregating data that a human in the loop is still very much needed. You think? So if someone asks, what's the best treatment for diabetes? The technology might respond with the name of the diabetes drug metformin because metformin appears alongside the, the, the words diabetes treatment very often on the Internet. But such a calculation might not be accurate. It might not be what the doctor would have prescribed because a doctor is going to try to rule things in and rule things out. This is, so I'll just say, we got a long way to go, in my opinion. Long way to go. And in the meantime, uh, Boomer ain't taking the million dollars and living in Jarvis's house. No, I'm not. I'm not doing it. <laughs> what, what if Jarvis could also cook you food? Well, I'm thinking like they're controlling me doing anything and everything. That like leaving the house, they won't let me take my guns anywhere. You know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, nah, I'm good. And they, they actually may control your access to your firearms. Yeah, that's what I mean, like access to it. I mean, I, it's a hairy thing. And if there's a robot in the house, absolutely not. No robots. No robots. So you got a robotophobia? I just... I wouldn't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> so iRobot, was that a creepy movie to you? I loved it. Okay. No, I, movies and all that, I'm, I'm all about it. I, the imagination of people that uh, come up with this stuff. But then again, this may not be far-fetched. What were the, but what were the, what were the three laws? 
You, you had it a moment ago. Oh, you man, had the day I did we talked have the this. three laws. Uh, Which I'll be honest with you, I think that's genius. Right. Isaac Asimov, the three mm -hmm. laws. Yeah, iRobot. Basically, that. Um, uh, uh, well, you read it out. You got it, don't you? Yeah, the three laws of iRobot. Uh, a robot may not injure a human being or th uh, through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Okay. A robot must obey orders given uh, given by human beings except where it. Uh, where orders would conflict with the first law. All right. A robot must protect its own existence as long as it uh, is as as its protection does not conflict with the first conflict two laws. With the first two laws. So I say program that go. sucker in and make Sydney a better thing. I, then that's that's there you go. So Sydney, Come on, Sid. Sydney, who's creating the hit list for reporters that it finds to be you know mean and nasty. Um, Sydney, somebody needs to square old Sydney away with the three laws and make sure Sydney is not going to get access to nuclear weapons and take out the New York Times. I'm just saying. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Enough of that. Skynet bias. Bottom line Ooh. is this. If you impute bias from the get-go, it stays there until you root that sucker out. And if we already see AI getting a little weird, and if the actual terms being used are AI can have hallucinations, I'm just, I'm not happy with this idea. And I don't know that I'd stay in the house for a million bucks. Just, you, which one do you get, Jarvis or Ultron? We don't know. We, is it Jarvis or Ultron? We don't know. Who is it? Who is it today? I don't know. It's Sydney. Oh, no. Sydney came hello, out. <laughs> hello, Sydney. Take me to a break, brother. We'll do a break about a minute earlier than usual while we get over this creepy the feeling of Sydney watching us. All these cameras in here, Boomer. I know. Sydney. And they're streaming, so. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to switch gears, go into what right looks like when we get back from the break. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Phil Williams, right side radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, hey, let me tell you real quickly before we go too much further. It's about go-home time. Some of y'all are thinking, tomorrow morning I'm coming in. You know what? I'm tired of the same old biscuit. On the way into, well, Let me just suggest this to you. On your way into work tomorrow, maybe you just take a different route. Two locations you might want to consider of Just Love Coffee Cafe in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And man, do they have a menu. Oh my gosh, they got a menu. Folks, I'm just telling you, I've eaten at both those locations. I love them both. And you might want to just say, you know what? I ain't doing the biscuit in the drive-thru. I ain't doing the banana in the car. I, I, ain't, I ain't doing it. So maybe you go down there and you get you some, uh, some waffles or you get uh, a breakfast wrap or you get uh, something else that's just like epic cool or like the womlet, the giant omelet filled with everything in the world to include tater tots and cooked in a waffle iron. I'm just saying. Just Love Coffee Cafe. Do they have coffee? Yeah, they got award-winning dry roast coffee, light, medium, dark roast. They got what Charlene calls the treat coffees, the espressos, the lattes, the cappuccinos. But yeah, they got food, man. Oh, man, they got food. 
So let me just suggest to you that breakfast tomorrow morning might be different and a whole lot better. Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations, Hughes Road in Madison, South Parkway in Huntsville. And, and tell them you heard about it on the Right Side Radio. I would appreciate it. Have um, you uh, seen some of these texts? I was reading notes during the break. What, uh, uh, we got new... They're, they're kind of ragging on me. You're ragging on you? <laughs> Is it because you wouldn't take the million bucks? I wouldn't take the million bucks. And, and there's, have, there's... have Jarvis filming you in the shower? Yeah, old Jarvis over here. No, that wouldn't be Jarvis. Jarvis is the nice one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ultron. <laughs> but there Ultron. is one a really good text. Grandstand from Huntsville was saying, uh, uh, just ask my 14-year-old granddaughter about the AI offer. Yeah. She said she'd take it in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> AI couldn't be be tougher than her parents, and she would uh, come out with a million bucks. <laughs> Only by the eye of the beholder. Oh, that's so, funny. That's good. Oh. Grandstand, wave her off, man. Wave yeah. her off. <laughs> Save her. You're a grandfather. You got to. I'm just looking at the fine print. What else? Do we have anybody else in there ragging you? Any, oh, anything? it's it's all good. Yeah, there's a few more. <laughs> it's, a, it's a few. All right, there's so a few. All right, so we 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 up the game. All right, so um, it's uh, it's the it's the AI controlled house, and it has cameras everywhere that are actually filming you no matter what you do, <laughs> no matter where no you matter are. No matter what. You have no privacy whatsoever. See, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, you just don't know. It's just like, yeah. It's the fine print. What's yeah. in the fine print? And, what, and, and, then, and then what about this? AI controls your relationships. Oh. You're allowed to visit with your children X amount of time. You need to visit more with your children. You can't talk X to them. Time. You can't talk to them right now. They're studying. You can't. I don't know, man. I'm you know just what? saying. Actually, you can't talk to them. I will talk to them for you. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you just know? Yeah, that's what it's going to be. See, fine print, guys. You got to think of it. You just, you just made it a whole lot creepier. That was the hand that rocks the cradle, just, and it's not even got just a hand. saying. When I'm thinking about, it, I'm thinking about the fine print. That that AI is going to be controlling everything. They're going to be talking to my family that you think you're actually talking to, about, because they're going to be mimicking them. What or about whatever. this? AI learns how to mimic your voice, and oh, it talks to your kids and makes them goodness. think it's you. This is getting Stop creepier it. by the minute. I think we just wrote a movie <laughs> script. We did. Oh my god! This is a movie script. This is awful. All right, I'm just saying no. I, you know what? I just no. Someone's we gonna say another tangent. Someone's gonna say, but it'll teach you how to cook eggs and things that are important. <laughs> no, you know what? We got by for years, like thousands, like thousands and thousands upon thousands and thousands of years. We got by without something whispering in our ear telling us what to do and when to turn off the thermostat. Just saying. Wow. Okay. Uh, text lines are still open. You want to call in? We'll take it. I'm curious. Who would live in the house completely controlled by AI with no privacy as long as you got paid a million bucks for the year? So you you are and, – and there there's – by the way, do you have the Alexa thing in your house, man? Do you have the – I do. Do you really? I do. See, I don't. I, I, don't, I don't want it. Yeah, I have yeah, – I do. See, I like this stuff. I mean, I know that Miss Alexa is just listening to me. <laughs> She, she just did. I know. And so, okay. like, now Sydney. You and I were sitting here the other day, and your phone started talking back for, for no re- good reason. It was. It's just like, oh, it that's just weird. See, I, I'm, that, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm like, I, I want to go and, like, put the, uh, the little uh, block over the camera on my computer, and I want to make sure that, um, you know, I don't have any external controls and that Alexa's not in my house controlling the lights. <laughs> and I know that my family probably looks at me and goes, come on, Dad. You know? But I, I, although I will say this, 
uh, Boomer, because because now that now you've got me just now like I got you. postulating. <laughs> I believe I said it on the air the other day. I do have a friend that Alexa saved her life. You did. I did, you did say that. that. Yeah. You know, now some of the That's audience is going to wonder what I'm talking about. So very briefly, my friend, um, she went to their. They had a mountain cabin up in uh, Mentone in northeast Alabama. She went to their mountain cabin, got there, you know, and she her husband was going to come the next day. She had a stroke while she was there. Laid on the floor for hours, unable to do anything about it, but had enough still capacity left to be able to say out loud, Alexa, call, and she named her husband. Mm. And Alexa called her husband. That's what saved her life. So I will I will admit that that moment gave me like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> Maybe Jarvis is not all bad. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just but I still see it as being a slippery slope to just you know, the Terminator movie. None of those movies ever end good, by the way. They all they all end with trying to regain control from the computers that took over. So, am yeah. I, I just whatever? <laughs> all right, we're gonna we're gonna shift gears here in a minute. I got my last dipper for the day. I'm calling it what right looks like. Now, I, I'm a fan thus far of Ron DeSantis's governorship. But I'm not a fan because I just want him to be the president. I mean, right now, I'll be honest, if Ron DeSantis becomes the next president, I have no reason to believe that I would not be content with that. Uh, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why I think that would work. I, I'm, I don't make endorsements on this show. I've made it a policy not to. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, right now, it's like an anybody but Biden for me, just about. Um, but uh, there, there are aspects of what I've seen in Ron DeSantis and others, by the way, like, I, I really like what I'm seeing so far out of Arkansas's brand-new governor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. What, so what does right look like in a governor? What, what could we see if that governor, the chief executive for a state, became the president? What evidence is there to indicate that he or she would be doing a good job? So what does right look like? Well, I want to talk about that. And it, what it boils down to, I'll be honest, it's not so much a matter of conservative versus liberal. It is for me because the policies matter. But the main thing it comes down to is leadership. It comes down to the ability to lead, the ability to have backbone in the moment, the ability to have the, 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 you know, the wherewithal to lead, guide, and direct in such a way that it makes a difference and that people know who's in charge, but at the same time, you're able to, with all humility, recognize when you might be wrong and do something about it. So what does right look like? I've got the first article we're going to get out the gate is a liberal view of Ron DeSantis from governing.com. came out last week. The title of it is How Ron DeSantis Became a Rockstar. And it totally, totally um, disregards the idea that maybe leadership mattered. And then we'll go to one from the Daily Wire. An article in the Daily Wire that came out yesterday that's titled, DeSantis Explains How He Went From Winning by 50,000 Votes to Winning by More Than 1.5 Million Votes. What does right look like? We'll talk about it. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Hey, all you right-side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid and conservative and just plain right, covering down on some major ground across the northern half of the beautiful state of Alabama on a beautiful day like this. I'm talking about we go way on down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, thrown in for good measure. And by the way, just uh, just thank you and hello to a brand new texter on the line, Dave from Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Uh, Boomer, he just gave us his name. You can plug him in whenever you get a chance. Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Dave from Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. How about that? Thank you, Dave. Uh, and Dave says, by the way, DOD implements software system safeties in all weapon systems. You calculate risk based on hazard severity and software control categories. Okay, Dave's a smart guy. I can tell already. <laughs> Autonomous systems are assigned the highest category, um, including AI. The the real concern, he said, are the O6s and general officers who poo-poo the system safety and buy off on the risk without understanding what they're accepting. Interesting, interesting points. He also said he's a safety nerd and he's seen a scary number of major acquisition programs uh, like this kind of stuff. So anyway, Dave from Lawrenceburg, uh, you sound like a definite right side ruffians. And oh, by the way, you sound like you raise our IQ a few points. Thanks for calling in or texting in. Mm -hmm. Um, John from Huntsville says, this episode is making me question everything. <laughs> uh, he also says, Phil, are you real or are you really an, a robot? Quick, Boomer, ask him a question. Only the real Phil will know the answer to. <laughs> Thunderfoot. Thunderfoot. Ice blue with a black vinyl top, oh, and it was original from the factory. There it is. That's right. That's right. That's my, that's my 68 Mustang. Uh, Randall from Newmarket, just think, the IRS would get the better part of it. He's talking about, yeah, oh. the, yeah no kidding. Um, James from Harvest says, Biden's just a Muppet anyway. <laughs> okay. Jerry from Meridianville says, Ron DeSantis has a new book he's written that comes out today. We need to send Kay Ivey a copy. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And then, uh, uh, oh yeah. Chris caps, Chris, Chris also texted in and said, by the way, the second AI in Age of Ultron was not actually Jarvis. It was a spinoff of Jarvis named Vision. Thank you. You're right. You are correct. Thank yes. you very much. All right. So, yeah, good guy AI was Vision. Bad guy AI was Ultron. You see how that worked out. Uh, let, me, let me just throw this out there. Leadership matters. I have said multiple – I'm switching gears in case you didn't notice. Uh, this number three of the Triple Dipper, I'm calling it What Right Looks Like. So I, is it too early to talk about who's running for president? Apparently not. No, because what happens in, in election law is you're allowed to begin raising money for a primary one year out from the primary. The primaries are this time next year, May of next year. So you've got people that are already designating their principal campaign committees. You've got people that are deciding what they're going to do. Are they in? Are they out? You've got people that are sort of setting, staking out their ground. You got like uh, Nikki Haley already says she's in. Trump, of course, says he's in. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy says he's in. These are just the Republicans. 
Um, we do have the uh, very interesting character, Marianne Williamson, who ran for president as a Democrat before. She's, she's, she's an interesting bird, uh, to say the least. But she said she will run against Biden, so he will have a primary. Um, anyway, all that to say, leadership matters. And y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. What we're watching right now is the, is the, the, the verification, the authentication of the fact that Biden has never led a thing in his life. He's never been an executive. He's never been a combat leader. He's never run a corporation. He's never had to write a paycheck or balance the books. He's never had to put his name on the dotted line for the line of credit to keep the float going on the finances. He's never had to do any of that. He's never had to lead an organization. He's never had to put people in harm's way. He has literally had the luxury of what I have often called rhetoric without responsibility. For over 40 years in D.C., I don't care if he was a vice president, that meant nothing. He was a vice president for a period of, what, eight years, and he did nothing with it. But for the most part, you can say that there's never been a period of his time where he led, and now he has to. Now he has to. And look how it's going. That's why you're seeing so many wishy-washy decision-makings. That's why you're seeing things like the Afghanistan debacle, which Charlene pointed out to me this morning. There was a new report that came out that assessed the Afghanistan pullout in, in very harsh terms. I need to find a copy of that. But we also are seeing things like, I don't know, how about the toxic train wreck in East Palestine, Ohio? Never had a clue what to do with it. How about the, the waffling in and out, we're in, we're out, things we're doing, we're not doing, things we're doing, we're not doing, oh, we're now we're doing it in, in Ukraine. How about the southern border? What we're seeing right now some of these are intentional. Some of these are just complete lack of leadership. Article here from governing.com about Ron DeSantis. It's a big piece. It's like five, six, seven pages. Title of it is How Ron DeSantis Became a Republican Rockstar. How'd this happen? How did Ron DeSantis become so popular? Pray tell. What could it be? Well, he appealed to the MAGA. I mean, this, this article assumes nothing good can happen if you stand up for values, all right? It says, in a sense, the national media made him, says Henry Olson, a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Mm. A conservative think tank, sure it is. He said, he has become somebody who champions cultural issues that animate MAGA Republicans, a term based on Trump's 2016 slogan about make America great again. And it goes on to say, basically, he gets out there and does red meat stuff, and it, and, it, and it inflames passions. Oh, that's what it is? In fact, the article points out, it says DeSantis became the leading challenger to Trump and not any of the many other, and not any of the many other Republican governors and senators who might have wanted that slot because they say, quote, he's Trump without crazy. His slogans, calling himself the governor of the free state of Florida, where woke goes to die, are resonating with Republican-based voters. They're saying this like it's a bad thing. They go on to say DeSantis has not picked every fight, but he's picked an awful lot of them, pushing back against COVID-19, woke corporations, teachers' unions. While taking up arms as a culture warrior, DeSantis has also pursued traditional conservative goals like cutting taxes, promoting school choice, all while also paying attention to non-climate environmental issues, non-climate environmental issues that are important in Florida, including Everglades restoration. All of that appeals to non-MAGA Republicans. Here's the quote. 
being a competent executive is not enough to get a national reputation. The fact that he's a competent executive this helps dramatically. What they're trying to say here in this article is that all those things he stood up for, well, they were, they, he had to do those because nobody was paying attention to the fact that he was actually a competent executive. Maybe, here's my point, maybe those things are happening because he's a competent executive. Oh, so what happens in this particular case when you've got a guy who's the governor of a state who actually gets out in front of the issues, who inspires people, who says, here's where I'm going, go with me, who doesn't just say it and then try to back off because it's politically expedient to slow the roll a little bit. No. He gets it. Folks, I don't know what the comparison would be to his fight with Disney, but he won in a big way against the biggest player in state politics that was not a governmental entity, Disney. I mean, the, the, I guess the example here might be, uh, I don't know, Blue Cross Blue Shield or something like that, some massive entity that, that helps fund campaigns and you know, can sometimes pick the winners and losers because people care what they think. Well, in, in, in Florida, going against Disney was political suicide. Unless you're standing on principles and you don't care about the outcome, you just care about what's right. That's what right looks like. So this article literally portrays the idea that, yeah, he's a competent executive, but he had to go do all these social things to get people's attention. I don't know. My point is what right looks like is when you're willing to go get in the fights because you're a good executive. Because a good executive does not shy away from the important things. Because a good executive knows how to be both a culture warrior and a fiscal hawk and a defense analyst, a culture warrior, a fiscal hawk, a defense policy guy, all of it. He knows how to do all of it. Maybe he's out there raising the bar. Maybe he's got people's attention because he is a good executive. What a novel idea. You mean being a good executive means also having principles? Yes, I believe it does. I think that's what right looks like. And, and so the next article I've got here from Daily Wire says DeSantis explains how he went from winning by 50,000 votes in his first run to winning by more than 1.5 million most recently. DeSantis said this in an, art, in a, in an interview last night with uh, Mark Levin. He said, Republicans need to learn how to go on the offensive instead of always having to be on the defensive. And he says, so I understood that because you have an agenda you want to get passed or you want to get it stick, you don't just say, I want this, and it happens. You have to go get it through those constitutional checks and balances, meaning what he knew he had to do was within the system he was given, he had to build the relationships necessary with the legislature to get an agenda done. He had to lead. He had to lead. DeSantis said that one of the decisions he made early on that proved to be critical was not relying on polls to dictate how to go. Oh, there's another person that knows about what right looks like. There's another ver version of right. is not being so subject to the whims of society that you forget that the, maybe there's a job you got to do that's not dictated by the next poll. Maybe you look at it and go, polls be danged. Here's what's right. Let's do the deed. And he says, as a leader, don't be captive to public opinion. You shape public opinion. Wow. And I think we've proven that we did that. 
He said, I went from winning by 32,000 votes to winning by 1.5 million votes. And he's got a team that believes in the cause. He's got a team that he said they even sat down and talked about it. We're not going to have leaks. We're just going to work. Here's the agenda. Let's go. Folks, I'm going to tell you what right looks like in a governor is what right can also look like in a president. If someone is willing to stand on principle and say, what we're going to do is we're going to do it because we're right and go take those fights and stand up under them, people will follow that. They will. People respond to that. People will, you look at any military battle, people will follow you to the high ground and take it back from the enemy if you will lead them there. That's what right looks like. All right, Boomer, take me to a break, brother. I, uh, wow, I just, that was like a whole monologue. I got a little more on that. We'll come right back and talk about it. What right looks like? Uh, do we have that in Alabama right now? Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Side Radio, Phil Williams, solid conservative, just plain right. That was some jazzy. That was some. That was some like Eric Clapton. Cool. Was that Clapton? Yes. He had a little wah wah going <laughs> in that one, man. What song was that? That was uh, "Marry You" by Eric Clapton. No kidding. Yeah, I love some Clapton, man. That's that's. I'll, okay. Usually use that for out, and I just forgot, and I, it was an intro. So I there we go. Don't even remember that one. <laughs> All right, so very cool. Boomer on the bumps. Uh, hey, by the way, I got to tell you guys. Uh, so one of our original sponsors is still with us today, and that's ZLA Solutions. ZLA Solutions, they're doing an amazing job at getting jobs and people lined up. So if you're looking for a job personally, you can go to their website. They've got them posted on there right now at uh, ZLAUSA.com. They've got great jobs posted with good benefits and pay and all, all over the northern half of the state, really even out of the state. But they've also, by the way, are there to help you if you are an employer to fill out the ranks of your workforce. So, yeah, I mean, if you, it doesn't matter if you need onesies and twosies or you need an entire shift full of people, special knit skills, doesn't matter. And right now they are hiring, by the way, they are helping hire for a major new uh, white collar high tech uh, job field at a new facility at Redstone Arsenal. So just check them out. ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. I know these folks personally, and they are good at what they do. ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. All right, I'm in number three of the Triple Dipper, what right looks like. And I'll tell you, too, by the way, uh, I, I am, it, it's, DeSantis was the easy example. But I've got an article here that's kind of similar about uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I've got another article that talks about the most popular governors and why they might be popular, and most of them come from backgrounds that are not uh, non-leadership backgrounds. Um, I got a caller on the line, though. I'll take that real quick uh, before we end the day. Line one, Mark from Athens. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great, Senator. I got a, a question for you. Since that, when you before you went to the break, you said, "Do we have the right here in Alabama?" Yeah, of like what we're talking about in in other states. 
My question is this, because you, you came in as our senator when the Democrat rule was just was ending and right. it was flipping over to the Republicans. Right. Okay. Now, how many long-term senators and led, uh, congressmen do we have in, the, in, in Alabama right now that are 10 or more years in service? When that happened, they took the whiteout, or, or maybe I shouldn't say that, the eraser, and scratched out the D and put an R by their name <laughs> to get elected. Uh, well, you know, I will be honest. It, we had a few. Now, in the U.S. delegation, there were already Republicans in the, in the Senate. Yes, I'm not talking about U.S. I'm talking about Alabama state senators and Alabama state congressmen. We, we had a few. In fact, I, I know for a fact I had, I had one guy who was a Republican uh, who had told me that he just switched parties because it was it was a matter of expedience for him, um, but yeah, it, it, there was a lot of them. Even our governor did that. Our well, governor right now used to be a Democrat. Well, I think she was a Democrat a long, long time ago. I mean, like a long time. Yeah, ago. Yeah, long, long time. Yeah. I mean, I don't I know. know. I don't know what the litmus they, test is, but if you've been a Republican for twenty years, I think you have to go ahead and forget about the former yeah. Democrat. Um, but oh, yeah, but I agree. I think the question though is 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 what is she doing with it? And right now. You know, I'm not hearing much out of uh, out of Governor Ivey's. I'm not even sure where Governor Ivey is right now. I haven't seen her in, in quite a while. Have you? See, that's what I'm talking about. See, yes, a long, long time ago she was a Democrat, but those 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 angst, those interests, those those ideas back then are still with today. That's why it's so weak as a Republican now. In my opinion, well, that, and that may be. I mean, there, there may be some old kind of centrist or moderate tendencies that hung around. I don't, I don't know. Um, but, but, yeah. uh, but I, I will say this: I have known, I've known Kay Ivy for a bit, and she was a firebrand. And for for a period, I just don't know that she's got a whole lot of oomph now. You know, I, I don't. Yeah. I, I'm not seeing her lead on the issues. I'm not seeing her get out in front of anything hard. I'm not seeing her holding a press conference nope. just to challenge the liberal positions. I'm just basically seeing her go nope. along to get along, and I'm, I'm ready to have somebody in Alabama that comes at it like a DeSantis. Exactly. That's what we need in this Republican-majority state. We need somebody like a DeSantis that, like you say, is a strong leader that is willing to step out and say, this is what we're going to do. We've yeah. got a great attorney general that's like that. I, I, I like Steve Marshall a lot. And, you know, the question is going to be, is he going to run for governor? There are some say he's already kind of posturing that way. I don't know. But what I do know that is this. We need somebody who's willing to have a fight. And, and I don't mean like picking that's a fight right. just for the sake of a fight, but I mean not dodging a fight when you need to. Not dodging a fight and standing on your moral ground that you have in your heart and not giving in just because of whims, like you said, of polls or of the way the media's brushing it off or, yeah. or you know, doing it all too. It, you know, having the strength to stand up and say, I believe in this. Do you believe with me? And stay with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mark, great call, man. Appreciate you helping wrap Senator. that segment up. That was perfect. Uh, yeah. Thank what you, a, Senator. Thank you, buddy. What a, what a great call. And he's, and he's right. I mean, and that, that's what right looks like, y'all. That, that is what right looks like. If you have any question, any concerns about what right looks like, and by the way, what I just described to you could be a very good Democrat. <laughs> Phil, did you say that? Yes, I did. What I'm saying is leadership is what matters. If you believe in certain things, okay, great. What are you going to do about it? And, and in, in my opinion, what we're missing right now in Alabama is a, the kind of leadership that will challenge the status quo that will call it out because it needs to be called out, that will step out in front of the camera and say, this is the mission I've been given, and here's what we're going to do. Here's my agenda, and here's why I want to see it enforced, and I'm going to work to get these things done for, for, the, for the people of the state of Alabama. We need that. We need that a lot. All right, folks, what a great day. Phil Williams, 
Right Side Radio. Boomer and I back here tomorrow at 2. You guys have an amazing night. We'll see you then. Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.